When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. This is the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief, a Christmas edition of the show. Merry Christmas to all. Happy holidays. Uh, we're broadcasting here on Christmas Eve, as it is in Australia. It's a Christmas Eve Eve over in New York right now, where the Chief is, as I welcome uh, the Chief into this uh, this morning's program. Morning, Chief. How are you? Oh, good morning, Geordie. And yeah, Merry uh, Christmas Eve. We, uh, we've got plenty of sport to talk about. Sport runs right through uh, the Christmas period over in the in the US, so there's no uh, definitely definitely no lack of sport at this time of year as uh, everyone else takes holidays. But all the major competitions in the United States continue on. Before we get to that, how's your week been, and, and what are your uh, Christmas plans, Chief? Oh, it's been a good week. Uh, yeah, nice uh, time with family, my parents, and my, my sister's in from California, so we'll be hanging out and eating very well. My mother's already prepared the lasagna, so uh, I'm very excited about that. So, uh, yeah, it'll be very fun to have uh, family and, um, family and again, football and, uh, and sports. Uh, it used to be uh, Christmas Day was dominated by the NBA, that that was the only sport, but now NFL encroaching with games and then obviously we have a, a lot of games uh, the next two days what's the uh, yeah what's the the history been like of of sport on christmas because here in australia we're only just starting to get uh, but we have sport either side of christmas boxing day is one of our biggest sports days of the year there's been an increase of sport on christmas eve but we're still really yet to tap into sport on Christmas Day itself. So what's, what, what is it like in, and what has it been like through, uh, through recent history in the USA? Well, it always, yeah, been dominated by the NBA. They've gone to a pretty much a five-game slate starting at noon and ending it at, you know, a little past midnight. So you get a full day of basketball, usually um, the top teams, the big markets, the uh, defending uh Champions and finalists almost always play Christmas Day. LeBron James <laughs> always working Christmas Day. Uh, but more recently, the NFL has kind of the way that the calendars fall. I mean, if Christmas lands on a Wednesday, I don't think you'll see the NFL uh, tackle it. But we've had Christmas fall, you know, right near the uh, the weekend. So NFL starting to add games. You know, there's, um, yeah, obviously full state slate Christmas Eve, but. Um, yeah, I, I kind of just miss it when it was just NBA. And a lot of people look at it as really the, the opening day of the NBA uh, for uh, mainstream America who really don't follow the early going. And that was kind of, I think, some of the idea of the in-season tournament was to make before Christmas a little bit more important. Right. So the, uh, okay, so people feel like the, the NBA really ramps up after Christmas, does it? Yeah, very much so. And this would be, a, you know, for the casual fan, this is usually the first time uh, they'd be watching basketball. Now there's games every night on uh, 
you know, it's a lot more uh, television. But previously, you wouldn't see a lot of nationally televised games uh, as much as you do now. And uh, Christmas was a big deal to see these uh, a lot of these teams for the first time. Again, for the more casual uh, fan. I mean, obviously, uh, hardcore NBA fans are following it day to day. But, yeah, I don't like the fact that the NFL is encroaching. I wish that they would just sit this one out. But uh, they uh, obviously love to, to make as much money as they can. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, have a chat about our star of the week this week. Who's been uh, who's been the uh, the person who you've or the team or organisation or whatever you want to frame it as that's uh, really taken your fancy this week, Chief? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, uh, I'm going to go with um, the you know the LA Dodgers and and what they did to um, you know add a, a free agent and the biggest free agent in the market uh, in. Uh, uh, Yamamoto, the pitcher from Japan, just absolutely huge uh, signing for them. And, uh, I, you know, people are saying it's bad for baseball. It's good for me. I, I think that it's, it's overall good for, you know, the sport that uh, uh, you have a bit of a villain. And the fact that it's very hard still to advance in the playoffs. So um, we'll see how it plays out. I think a lot of people are really hating uh, what happened with the Dodgers. The fact that they deferred all this money to Shohei Otani to swing and um, uh, allow them to make this trade and make this uh, acquisition and spend this money. So um, it'll be, it'll make for, I think a, a much more interesting baseball season as this kind of one clear villain mm-hmm. and everyone kind of chasing them. But I, I don't think the way the format is in baseball, I, you know, I, it's still very wide open and we've seen that uh, in past years that it's all about getting hot late. Yeah, I I, uh, I had that one shortlisted as well as uh, as a potential star of the week. So I'm glad you took it because we'll we'll chat a bit more about the LA Dodgers and what they're putting together uh, a little later on in the show. My star of the week, I've gone with Drew Locke, the uh, the backup quarterback at the Seattle Seahawks, who helped the Seahawks to a, a 20 to 17 win uh, last week on uh, Monday Night Football against the Philadelphia Eagles, no less, who now dropped to a 10 and four record. The Eagles, the Seahawks are seven and seven. Um, and keeping their playoff hopes alive. But Drew Locks had to come in the last fortnight for Geno Smith. He threw 22 from 33 completed passes. Just the one touchdown, but it, that did end up being the, the winning touchdown at the end of the game uh, for Seattle. But what most what, what impressed me most about Drew Locke was uh, his post-game interview on the field uh, on, on ESPN and how uh, just sort of almost overcome by the opportunity to, to have this moment again in his career. He was... Uh, a, a player who uh, I think most notably was with the, the Denver Broncos a couple of years ago, um, got drafted there, uh, seemed like he was, you know, I don't think there was any sort of franchise quarterback talks around him at the time, but there was, you know, he had to come in in the post Peyton Manning era, one of the many quarterbacks at Denver. It never really worked out for him there, has floated around the league a little bit. And, you know, these might be the only two starts he gets all season, but it's an important win, firstly, to, to get a big win like that now in the run home against Philadelphia and then just how grateful he was and how sort of almost uh, surprised he was, I suppose, that he's had this uh, opportunity at Seattle. I thought the, the whole storyline around that last week was uh, was uh, was quite sweet. No, absolutely. That was really cool. Yeah, you could hear his emotions, Drew Locke's emotions in the post-game interview. Chief, before we get into our uh, look at Week 16, uh, I saw a few uh, sort of... Uh, headlines and a couple of uh, couple of takes from NFL experts around the uh, around the NFL world 
in the last week around the talk of the MVP and who's leading the MVP race right now. A lot of people have said someone like Dak Prescott might be up there. I saw uh, during the week people suggest the likes of Brock Purdy, the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, who I believe is now could be the favourite in the MVP race. He leads the NFL in overall touchdown passes with 29. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, Brock Purdy isn't maybe the name that, uh, I mean, he's a great player. I don't know if that was a name that jumped off the page for me, but that's probably because the season has been quite even, hasn't it? There hasn't really been, from what I can think anyway, one absolute or even one or two absolute standout players over the course of our, our 15 weeks so far. Yeah, I think what you really have here is just a really interesting debate on how you you do this. And the fact that it, it seems to just be a quarterback award and the quarterback with on the best team is, yeah, he's now, yeah, odds on. Brock Purdy, I think he's like $1.50 right now to win the MVP. And I, I just don't, I don't think it should go to him. I think there's more valuable players in the sense that what Tyreek Hill or, or Christian McCaffrey, I think you take Christian McCaffrey off the 49ers and replace him with an average running back, you lose more uh, because of just how dynamic he is. The one game that Christian McCaffrey was hurt, the 49ers offense didn't move the ball. I mean, it was against the Cleveland Browns. It was bad weather, but still, it, it just shows you the value of, of, I think, dynamic players as opposed to just being the quarterback on the best team, those couple days, couple games of that Debo Samuel, the 49ers lost. Trent Williams also wasn't in the lineup. I mean, you, you t- it's very hard to, to, uh, to you know, make these debates. I mean, in reality, Patrick Mahomes is always the most valuable player because if he were off of that team and when they went to an average quarterback, they would be a, a below average team. It just shows, you know, he's so far and away the most talented player, Patrick Mahomes, but can't give it to him this year because his numbers aren't there. And, um, it's Brock Purdy, I think of the quarterbacks is probably the most deserving because he's made the least amount of mistakes. He hasn't had the off games that Dak Prescott has had in big moments. Um, uh, other than the couple games when he was dealing with, I think a concussion, he was playing with a concussion, Brock Purdy and, and Jalen Hurts, I think is so much a product of his team, so much a product of that. He is so key in the tush push play, which is very unique in the offense, but um, so much of that is is the team around him. So um, I don't think it should be Brock Purdy. It seems like he's he's favored, and if they win out and he plays well, he'll be the MVP. But I, I think it shouldn't just go to a quarterback. But that's the way I look at it. Yeah, selecting a quarterback as as the MVP feels uh, it feels very simplistic. It feels like it's almost a, a popularity vote where um, it's you know it, it comes down to. Or you know, it's selected almost not not based off, but there is uh, influences of, you know, how big is this person in the sport, the the name in the sport, it's uh, this person's overall, um, you know, because I guess the quarterback is so is the most easily accessible position, I suppose, from a fan's perspective. Everyone sort of identifies the team by its quarterback. It just kind of feels very simplistic. Um, I don't know. Is there? Do you reckon there's a way that they could? alter the method of how they pick the MVP? Well, you know, the quarterback is the most important. And if you do lose your starting quarterback, you can you can completely crumble. But I don't think you should compare, you know, the quarterback to your backup. I think you should be compared to what the average quarterback would be in the league. Um, obviously, you know, you see teams just completely crumble 
when they lose their starting quarterback where uh, a running back is, is replaceable unless they're so uniquely skilled and talented as a Christian McCaffrey or a wide receiver uh, as a Tyree Kill. What, what the NFL did is they created an offensive, best offensive player uh, category that really is going to go to either McCaffrey or Hill. <laughs> Last year went to Cooper Cup. You know, it's, that's, the, that's the award for the best position player. And the MVP just going to best quarterback. I mean, there was a time defensive players could win MVP. Um, but now uh, it seems to be uh, pretty much pigeonholed to quarterback. And then best offensive player is the best offensive uh, player. It would be cool to see it switch maybe one year and see, like, mm. maybe Lamar Jackson win best offensive player and, and Christian McCaffrey win MVP. But uh, they seem to be pigeonholed at quarterback MVP and then position player for uh, the other award. Yeah, it's been the last decade straight that we've had quarterbacks win the MVP, and the uh, the only uh, man to sort of uh, put a put a puncture in that run was Adrian Peterson, AP, back in uh, in 2012. Uh, the Week 16 matches, there are a lot of big games coming up this week, and I mean not just big games. Uh, I mean big games, yes, on paper, you know, when you look at just the matchups, but obviously now at this stage of the season, important games in the uh, in the lead into playoffs with just three weeks to go. So let's start off with what is going to be the biggest match of the weekend, Monday Night Football, Baltimore against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, both teams have already clinched a playoff position, so it doesn't actually mean a terrible lot for these teams to get into the playoffs. They're already there, but I guess it still means a bit for their position and uh, for both teams to uh, who are vying for the number one seed in their respective conferences. Um, as we look at this game, are these teams... In your opinion, Chief, are they the best team in each conference? Baltimore in the AFC, the Niners in the NFC? Yeah, I absolutely. I believe that. Uh, uh, I've really thought it for a while. These are, these are, you know, yeah, what I think would be a Super Bowl preview, but there's a, still a lot to do to get there. Uh, this is a yeah, fantastic matchup. Uh, San Francisco are six-point favorites at home, so significant. But there's a lot of uh, trends in history going in the favor of the Baltimore Ra- Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has an incredible record against NFC teams. And he also has a great record as an underdog, winning games as an underdog. Uh, so uh, I think it's going to be a very competitive game. Um, you'd think pretty high scoring, even though the defenses are solid. There's just so much offensive talent on the field. Um but uh, I think it's one that I think a lot of football fans are, are really excited about. Absolutely. The uh, the next game to look at, Dallas against Miami, which will be on uh, Sunday, uh, Sunday your time, Monday uh, in the one of the later windows, our time. Dallas against Miami here. Uh, the Cowboys uh, and the Eagles are uh, sort of going back and forth in the NFC uh, East to claim that number one position. They've both uh, had results and dropped results in the last couple of weeks, but been a good battle between those two teams and so the Cowboys now take on the Dolphins who are both both teams here at 10 and 4 the Dolphins have only lost one game at home this season the Cowboys have a below par record away 3 and 4 is their away record so this game is being played in Miami so just on that basis you might be leaning towards Miami but what do you think chief well, that's a great one too i mean you really have two dynamic offenses uh, great play callers. Both head coaches are, are the play callers, and both are very good at, at calling uh, plays. So, uh, again, you'd expect good offensive play. The uh, Miami Dolphins, it's one and a half point favorites, and on the slightest favorites, really is a, a, a pick 'em game. But I, I like Miami. I think Miami at home, I think they're the, the, actually the better team. And I, again, just don't trust Dallas against quality opponents. I feel they, they really beat up on, on lesser teams, but when they're up against tough 
they're coming off just a brutal loss. They just got absolutely whooped uh, by the Buffalo Bills, and then they have to go back on the road and same division. I think they lose again. The uh, Cleveland Browns take on the Houston Texans, and the Texans this week look like they might get C.J. Stroud back. I think he's still questionable at the moment with the concussion. Um, so still question marks over him after uh, Case Keenum and uh, Davis Mills did uh, fill in for him last week. Uh, they take on um, uh, sorry, they take on the Browns, who have, who have won their last two games in a row, and both teams winning records, both looking destined to make the playoffs together. Nine and five, the Browns. Eight and six, the Texans. Is this game... Is your pick for this game going to depend on whether Stroud plays or not? Well, yeah, I'm seeing that C.J. Stroud is out, and it'll be once again Case Keenum, who had a, just a great, great game uh, in Tennessee, pulling off an upset, and uh, then celebrated by being on the, uh, the Manning cast on Monday Night Football, which is kind of a, a pretty big deal in pop culture slash football. So uh, Case Keenum riding high, um, uh, Joe Flacco, it's just amazing what he's done uh, coming off the couch for the Cleveland Browns and, and being their fourth string quarterback and and they're just winning games and he's a big reason why. The offense has been been very good on top of their good defense. So, so yeah, Cleveland's three-point favorites on the road here. So clearly uh, pricing in that C.J. Stroud isn't playing. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's a tough game one way or the other. Uh, I still probably maybe edge with Cleveland because of uh, of how good they've been with Flacco. Now we have games today. There are two games today, which is uh, a, a little unusual, I suppose, through most of the season. But now that we are post college football and uh, or post the, the the chunk of the season of college football, and now into the holiday period, that we do have uh, Saturday football in in the states, Sunday here in Australia, uh, and the first of those two games is Cincinnati. Uh, traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers, an AFC North rivalry game. Uh, huge clash, particularly, well, there's only one game difference between these two teams. So both teams could either make playoffs or miss playoffs. Uh, right now, though, it is the Steelers who are that, that game behind. They are the home team, crucially, in this match. So if they win today, they go to 8-7. and seven. The Bengals will drop to 8-7. and seven. Uh, They'll still be uh, at least a game behind Cleveland by, by week's end. But... Um, this could effectively uh, sort of almost put the Bengals into playoffs and, and maybe eliminate the Steelers entirely if, if they lose this game, the Steelers. Not mathematically, but, you know, almost just on the, on the balance of things could be a deciding game today in the AFC North. No, definitely. Um, it'll be uh, Mason Rudolph uh, at quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So this will be their, their third quarterback of the season going up against Jake Browning, who has just really continued to just impress and show that he's a, a, a really strong, solid NFL quarterback and uh, uh, got some revenge against a, a team in the Minnesota Vikings that cut him in the uh, a previous offseason. So uh, he's got a chip on his shoulder and really leading Cincinnati here. They, they were going to be without their superstar wide receiver, uh, Jamar Chase. So that's a, a tough spot for Cincinnati. If I, uh, I give Pittsburgh a chance here at home. Um, with the new quarterback and maybe hopefully sparking something, though their offense has been terrible since firing offensive coordinator uh, Matt Canada. The offense has actually gotten a little worse, but uh, they did lose uh, their starting quarterback Kenny Pickett in that p- period of time. So, uh, but I still give Pittsburgh a chance. But it should be uh, you know two rivals could be a, a battle. Jacksonville versus Tampa Bay on paper, maybe just by name, wouldn't really excite many uh, people. But if you're an NFL fan and you've been watching what they've been doing this season, 
and the race that they are each in in their respective divisions. This game means a whole lot. Jacksonville in the AFC South are tied with the Colts and the Texans, who are all on eight and six win-loss records, while the Tampa Bay Buccaneers made playoffs last year with a losing record. They might do it this year with a winning record, but they're seven and seven. The Saints are seven and eight after losing the other night on Thursday night football, and the Falcons are just a game behind six and eight. So both these are the two closest divisions uh, in the NFL in, in their respective conferences. The South divisions are just so tight and um, and this this game today could uh, could be a or is going to be a, um, a, a a really influential game on each division. Yeah, Battle of, uh, of Florida, uh, Tampa Bay at home against Jacksonville. Does look like Trevor Lawrence will be playing uh, for Jacksonville. He's dealing with a couple of different injuries, but he should be out there. And um, Baker Mayfield's been playing great quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think he keeps it going. And I think that uh, they win this one, and Tampa Bay uh, wins that division. They've really, I think, uh, proven to be uh, the best team. That was a, a very impressive win last week in Green Bay. Um, and just how, how really how good uh, Baker Mayfield and how consistent um, Mike Evans, wide receiver, I mean, really could be a, in the Hall of Fame, uh, just consistently a 1,000 yards every season. And, and Chris Godwin, a real quality receiver who had a huge game. And I think uh, the offense is really running well for Tampa Bay, and I think they win. Uh, today as well, later on, so after the Cincinnati-Pittsburgh game, is Buffalo and the uh, L.A. Chargers. Um the Chargers are uh, by by just as a side story, looking at Jim Harbaugh as their head coach next season. What do you what do you make of that? Do you reckon he'll be back in the NFL soon, Jim Harbaugh? I do. I think what's happened there at Michigan with uh, a combination of he was suspended to start the season for I think uh, during a, a period when you're not allowed to communicate with uh, uh, recruits, he was texting or communicating with recruits. So he started the season suspended, then ended the season suspended because of the sign stealing controversy. Um, I, I think it's uh, going to be back to the NFL for Jim Harbaugh. A little, little bit less rules, a little bit easier. And I think he, uh, you know, he wants to uh, have a chance to, to win a Super Bowl as a head coach like his brother did when his brother beat him in, in the Super Bowl as a head coach of the Baltimore Ravens when Jim Harbaugh was in the San Francisco 49ers. And the L.A. Chargers could be a perfect location. Another possibility could be also the uh, Las Vegas Raiders for Jim Harbaugh with uh, his connection to Tom Brady and both being Michigan men. So uh, I, I, it'd be interesting. But, yeah, L.A. Chargers in this game, you have uh, a new head coach because we had the firing of uh, uh, Brandon Staley in the, uh, this past week after that debacle in Las Vegas. So do they get the bounce? I mean, they're 12-point underdogs against the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills uh, obviously needing this win. Much better team. We got... Easton Stick at quarterback for the LA Chargers, the backup. Mm. So uh, obviously, it's uh, Bill's expected to win. It's, do they win by double digits or not? But I, I think San Diego keeps. I'm sorry, San Diego. The LA Chargers keep it close. <laughs> Jeez. Um, and uh, just with that, that uh, head coach, new head coach bump, I think they they do get a bit focused, and it's a it's a closer game than uh, the uh, they expected. Indianapolis and the Atlanta Falcons. So this is a almost a mirror of the Jacksonville-Tampa Bay game because these are the two same divisions going up against each other, AFC South against NFC South. Uh, Indianapolis have the the better record, 8-6. and six. The Falcons are 6-8, but the Falcons have been that sort of plucky team this season. They are changing their quarterback again today, so they're benching Desmond Ritter and putting Taylor Heineke in. 
uh, as uh, as um, as equally impressive and disappointing as the Falcons have been this season at, at various times. Uh, Indianapolis have been actually kind of consistent, I suppose, as as much as an eight and six win loss record suggests. I am going to tip Indianapolis here away. Yeah, this is a, again a very tough one. Actually, Atlanta two and a half point favorites at home. Um, uh, Shane Steichen, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, in discussion uh, for coach of the year talks because of how good they've been. You know, they lost their first round pick, Anthony Richardson, as the starting quarterback. Gardner Minshew is very solid, though. Uh, but this week, I think they're without uh, Michael Pittman, who took a, a brutal hit in that game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he's did pass concussion protocol, but questionable to play. I'd be surprised to see him play. Um, they have some problems at running back, too, health-wise. Uh, it's a, yeah, a, a tough game with Atlanta at home. Um, I, I, yeah, I could see it going either way. Uh, and by the way, just on that Michael Pittman hit, so DeMonte Kazee, who was the uh, infringing player, has been uh, suspended for the rest of the season without pay after that hit um, from, uh, from the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers defensive back unit. Um, the Detroit-Minnesota game, NFC North divisional rivals, uh, both two teams near the top uh, or at the top of the NFC North. Detroit 10-4, and four, the Vikings 7-7. Seven and seven. Let me have a quick look here at the... Uh, just quite try and get the standings up. So there's second there. Where's the, where are the Vikings in the playoff race? Bear with me here. They are seventh right now. So they've got the last of the wildcard seeds as, as we speak. Uh, the Seahawks are hot on their hammer. The uh, Saints are a win as well, uh, or half a win behind them. So uh, important for the Vikings to just keep on winning and keep on clinging onto that spot. But will they do that today against Detroit? Detroit would go in as favorites. Yeah, Detroit three-point favorites on the road in Minnesota. It's Nick Mullins, the quarterback uh, for Minnesota. Uh, I think you got to like Detroit to, to win this one. I generally like uh, the home teams in these kind of closer games, but... Uh, uh, Nick Mullins is hard to trust him, and you know Detroit. They just continue to be a, a you know a strong. T- I mean, really, ten and four is just fantastic season for them. The Tennessee Titans officially eliminated from the playoff race with a five-win season so far. Five and nine. They take on Seattle. Uh, it is going to be hosted by the Titans uh, at their home venue. Do you think this is going to be Derrick Henry's last season at Tennessee? I would think so. I think. Uh, his time, the time has come to move on. Uh, I'm not sure what exactly his contract situation is, but I, I would think that he'd be a better off in a, in a kind of a different situation, um, kind of more of as a role player on a, on a you know a team that's kind of more championship ready to do very specific things. Um, though, you know, uh, it was a big article about uh, the end of the running back and how the running back is you know very much changed that classic running back, and they had Frank Gore as the picture. Frank Gore is legend. Uh, Hall of Famer, just incredible career in the NFL. But I think the last quarter, the last running back is Derrick Henry, like the last true running back. And uh, he's coming to the end of his career. But I, I'd like to see him move on and, and be in a, in a spot where he could really uh, have a chance to win, uh, win a championship. Uh, so tipping Seattle here? Uh, yeah, I'm seeing TBD on both quarterbacks. I'm not sure what's going on with Will Levis. I think his status is uh, he should be okay. And again, not sure if it's going to be Geno Smith or Drew Locke. Um, obviously, Drew Locke coming off that. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of give Tennessee a chance here. This is an interesting, you know, time-wise, East Coast game. Um, Seattle coming off a Monday night win, short week. Uh, I actually can see Tennessee pulling off the upset. 
the Commanders take on the Jets. The Jets won't have Zach Wilson. Uh, he is out. Trevor Simeon will be the quarterback. Both teams eliminated from playoff contention now. So these games uh, sort of dead rubbers, but also will put these teams into uh, draft position as well now that they'll look ahead to that. Um, the Jets or the Commanders? Yeah, Jets favored by three at home. Uh, yeah, I, I'd actually probably go with the Commanders just because the quarterback edge of Sam Howell. Green Bay take on the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers also eliminated uh, from playoff contention. That happened a few weeks ago. The Green Bay Packers, however, they are in the thick of the race right now. They are uh, 11th overall in the NFC, uh, so a few spots behind those playoff posi- uh, the wildcard positions, but 6-8 and eight, uh, win-loss record. And they – let me have a quick look at their run home because they pretty much need to win every game, you'd think. So they've got the Panthers, the Vikings, and the Bears. So they've got the Panthers today, the worst team in the league. Then they've got two divisional matchups to finish things off. So this is going to be, uh, particularly those last uh, two games, a bit of a helter-skelter three weeks, you'd think, for the Packers. Yeah, and it has been all year. You know, they started out you know real slow, and then they had that great run, and then they looked at they have uh, playing the New York Giants and then home against Tampa Bay. People are counting those as two wins, and they've lost both of them, really kind of almost knocking them out. They have to be perfect here. They're four-point favorites in Carolina. Carolina coming off a win. They were able to get a win and upset the Atlanta Falcons in a torrential rainstorm. Uh, I think, yeah, you know, you got to think Green Bay gets a bounce back here and, and gets a win against Carolina. Arizona eliminated from the playoff contention. The Chicago Bears probably not far away from being that either. They are... Each team in the bottom four right now in the NFC. Uh, this game is in Chicago. The Bears or the Cardinals? Yeah, Bears four-point favorites. Yeah, they're the better team. Uh, I'll go with the Chicago. Sunday night football sees Denver hosting the New England Patriots. The Patriots sitting bottom in the AFC. Uh, but the Denver Broncos are hovering around the wildcard spots. They're a game behind uh, both the Bengals and the Colts, who are in the six and seven seed as we speak. Uh, the Broncos are 7-7, seven and seven, so they've got to win. They'll imagine they win this game here against the Patriots. It would be a disaster if they didn't. Then they've got the Chargers and the Raiders on the run home. So they too, like the Packers in the NFC, they've got two divisional matchups to finish the season, the Broncos. So it's going to be a, a race to the line for Denver. Yeah, Denver, uh, uh, seven-point favorites at home. I think they win. I think they probably win by more than that. Uh, just obviously a much better team than New England who's playing out the string. The uh, Raiders... Uh, traveling to Kansas City. The Kansas City Chiefs hosting uh, a game on... This is one of the three games, by the way, on the Monday. So that's uh, the three Monday games on Christmas, uh, your time, Boxing Day, our time, will be uh, Las Vegas against Kansas City, the Giants and the Eagles, which we'll get to in a second, and then Baltimore and the 49ers, which we've spoken about. But Kansas City, uh, reckon they win here? Yeah, they're, they're 10 and a half point favorites at home. Uh, the Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders coming off of uh, that massive win, 63 points, winning by 42. Um, trend there is they usually come back and you lay an egg. So I would expect Kansas City to win and win by more than 10. And Philadelphia against the New York Giants on Monday. Uh, this is uh, sort of becoming an important game, I suppose, for the Eagles. They've already clinched a playoff spot. So they, they are into the playoffs, but they, uh, they're out of confidence right now. Three losses in a row. They just need to win these uh, last couple of games. They've got the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants again in their last three games. So the, all three matches you'd think they should win, but they need to win for, for their own confidence more than anything right now. Yeah, and they're, they're nearly two touchdown favorites against the New York Giants, the Philadelphia Eagles. 
uh, 13 and a half point favorites. And um, I'd be just shocked to see the Giants be even competitive in this. They've just uh, kind of re- regressed a little bit. And you're kind of starting to see, um, you know, that, that last week you, sh- you saw how the offensive line is still very weak. And, and I would expect the Eagles to really give Dan- uh, Tommy DeVito, <laughs> Danny, Tommy DeVito a really hard time. Um, uh, so, yeah, Philadelphia and it's yeah, uh, probably by more than the two touchdowns. There we go. Week 16 preview done and dusted. Three weeks to go in the regular season before we hit the playoffs. So as that there's so much to play for and uh, these uh, these race this race for the uh, for the wild card positions in both uh, conferences are just so tight. There's only what a game between sixth down to down to eleventh right now in the AFC. It's a similar story in the NFC as well. You got uh, eight and seven Rams sitting in sixth right now in the wild card spot, and then only two games back. You've got the Green Bay Packers down in 11th position overall, 6-8. and eight. So, yeah, these uh, these last couple of weeks are going to mean so much for all of these teams. Uh, a quick one on college football. We are into the bowl season right now, all the big bowls coming up in a couple of days from now. But during the week, there was a story coming out of Florida State. We know they've been in the news recently after they were snubbed from the college football playoff semifinals. But their, uh, their board has voted to file a lawsuit against the ACC, the Atlantic uh, conference that they are in at the moment to challenge the league, uh, the league's grant of rights, which is basically the right that the school has. They pass it over to the conference to then work out all the broadcast rights. So it's basically just sort of a handover license, essentially. Um, but they've uh, they filed a lawsuit against them. They say the ACC bre- breached their contract, uh, etc. Essentially, this is a long-winded way to say that the, uh, the the Seminoles are trying to get out of the ACC and move con- uh, move um, conferences. Uh, it, it sort of leads into a larger discussion around um, college football and conference realignment right now, but it's it's kind of plaguing the sport right now, isn't it, Chief? And maybe not for the best. No, and it's not. And it's, it's, it's really a shame. You have some classic rivalries and you have just so much geographic um, rivalries. And then you have everything just kind of being upended because of uh, football and how much money is being made. And the schools battling over that money and it's trickling down to all the other sports and all the you know men's and women's sports uh, and how they're having to move conferences. And obviously Florida State's upset because they were left out of the playoffs and they feel they were slighted because they were in the ACC, which isn't as high a level of football as the SEC. And, um, but I think it's maybe just a money grab. I don't know. It's just a terrible situation. And uh, it's unfortunate that you know, college sports is so driven by money. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll see more of these similar headlines uh, over the off-season and over the, the the next couple of years as well, as we have already with the Pac-12, which is pretty much no more. NBA, Chief, um, as I scroll across the standings and go down to the bottom of, uh, of the conference and have a look at the Detroit Pistons, and I scroll across to the streak column, it says L25. They've lost 25 games in a row and could tie the NBA single season record of 26 losses in a row if they lose later today. Uh, their game starts at 11:30 a.m. They take on the Brooklyn Nets. It has been a woeful start to the season. They are two and 26 overall for Detroit. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Uh, they made a, a big offseason move, bringing in Monty Williams as the head coach. He's actually the second. Highest paid head coach in the NBA, uh, just behind, you know behind Greg Popovich and ahead of Steve Kerr. Uh, so the Pistons were really expecting uh, 
to have an improvement. Um, they've been drafting at the top of the draft for the past few years and have some, some good young talent on that team, but uh, it's just been uh, a disaster. And it's, uh, it, you just got to feel for these kids. I mean, there's a lot of young players there. And, uh, you know, kind of want to see them win this. I don't want them to, you know, that's, that's a streak you don't want to see uh, a team beat. So maybe hopefully they can maybe uh, get a win and uh, see if they can uh, break this awful, awful losing streak. That's at the bottom of the East. The top of the West, Minnesota Timberwolves flying 21-6. and six, um, A couple of games ahead, or two and a half games ahead of the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Denver Nuggets. So how impressed by them uh, have you been? Yeah, really impressed. Uh, you, you knew they'd be a bit better, you know, adding Rudy Gobert in the offseason and Mike Conley, some veterans uh, that really improved the defense. Uh, Anthony Edwards continues to uh, emerge and, and, and be a superstar in this league, but you just... Didn't I didn't see this coming? Twenty one and six, and uh, yeah, obviously, yeah. What Rudy Gobert does on defense, Carl uh, Anthony Towns is a seven footer who can hit three pointers. Uh, incredible athlete that that Anthony Edwards is. So, yeah, Minnesota Timberwolves at the top. I don't think they're obviously NBA favorites, uh, Finals favorites. You gotta you gotta still like the Denver Nuggets and. You know, maybe uh, obviously the t- top of the teams in the East certainly um, more than than. Minnesota, but it'd be great to see the, the Timberwolves make a deep playoff run. A text came in from Tim earlier saying, Good morning, Geordie and the Chief. My highlight of the week was the Rams wide receiver and 22-year-old rookie Puka Nakua. What an explosive rookie season, going for 164 yards, receiving and a touchdown against the Saints, helping the Rams in the NFC wildcard race. Tim from Brighton. P.S. Love the Chiefs weekly insights. A uh, bit of love from Tim off the text, and Puka Nakua has been a great addition this season, indeed, for the LA Rams chief. So, uh, nice way to round things off and send us into Christmas. Oh, yes. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. Enjoy all the uh, the sports. And <clears throat> good luck on Boxing Day, whoever you guys root for. I know it's some big big matches. Absolutely. Well, it's, the main one is the cricket. Australia versus yeah. uh, Pakistan on Boxing Day. So, uh, yeah, and plus many other sports as well. Basketball, A-League, everything. What uh, plenty of codes on Boxing Day. But uh, enjoy your Christmas, Chief. Merry Christmas to you and the family, and uh, we'll catch up next week. Merry Christmas to you, Jordy, and everyone out there. This has been the All-American Hour with Jordy and the Chief.